You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. So today's guest is going to be a lot of fun. She is a treat for me and I hope she's a treat for you. So my mother-in-law has come to visit for two weeks and I said, you know what we're going to do while you're here? We are going to jump into my little recording studio closet, which happens to be in her guest in the guest room where she's staying. I said, I would love to chat with you about some of your life experience. So I want to introduce you, Louise. And, you know, the way I met Louise is obviously when I met my husband. It wasn't long after he took me to his parents' house and introduced me to his parents. So anyway, she has raised four lovely children who have grown up to be good and productive adults. And she's always got great ideas about parenting and great encouragement for moms. So I just thought you'd like to meet her today. And so do you want to say anything in introducing yourself anymore? Well, I'm getting older. <laughs> it, it's just, it kind of goes with the life on planet Earth. And I'm, and I'm enjoying being older. I'm enjoying my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. And I'm enjoying visit within, visiting with them today and this week. And it just it's just fun to be here. So I'm trying to figure out how to rein both of us in because both of us tend to talk and jump from conversation to conversation. So I think the best thing to do is we were just going to talk about parenting, starting with a young child. So if you know a young mom who's just starting out, this episode might be an encouragement to her. So let's just start in like when you have a baby, you have your little newborn and you have all your ideas of how beautiful life is going to be. And uh, you have all these expectations and the baby is sweet. The baby is cute. And then there comes this time later on, maybe it's, maybe it's six months, maybe it's two years. I mean, maybe somebody gets to hold off until longer, but you're going to come up on this time when you start to realize this is a little harder than I thought. And, um, this child is not doing exactly what I thought they would do. And I'm a little stumped as to how to continue. And so I remember uh, that time, actually, I remember once, and maybe this is jump going even further, not right at the beginning of my motherhood, when I felt like I had a ton of things in our house crumbling around us toddler like one wouldn't listen to this one wouldn't do this and then I'm trying to potty train and I just became overwhelmed with the amount of irons in the fire people and things that needed my attention and I remember the advice you gave me and I'm wondering if you give that advice consistently or if you're going to say something different hmm okay well when I started out I was scared to death and I remember praying and saying, God, you have to help me raise this child. That was just the first one. And then the second one was really easy. And then the third one was this husband. Yes, <laughs> that, my husband. My, and um, He's a challenge, wasn't he? Was, he was a great challenge. He was very much like his father, 
who was the oldest of his of seven, and um, his mother pretty much just sent him out to just do something outside because he was so uh, terrible. But um, and I didn't really do that with with mine. Um, but he was a challenge, a great challenge, and so I prayed a lot. But one of my, I guess you could call it um, a, cha- a, a, a a promise I made to myself was that I would enjoy each child at every single age. I would love them. I would embrace them. I would love every age. And I did that even through teenage. So, but you have to start that when they're little, even if they're a challenge. And I remember even at age two, which I call the terrible twos for this one, and the more horrible threes and the absolutely incorrigible fours with this one. And um, and I remember when he was a little bit older, uh, you know, and he was smarter than me. I, he really was smarter than me. And I remember looking him in the face and saying, smart does not trump mom. And the look on his face was, yeah. And I said, God put me in charge. And you know what? It worked. Because he knew it was biblical. I had taught him, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In fact, when he was two, or maybe two and a half, could not read, I sat him on a chair with the Bible in his lap, and that verse was underlined, and I said, run your finger along this verse. That verse says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I asked him when he was older, I said, so did you figure out what that verse said? And he said, I figured out in and the... (laughs) Because he had seen it so many times. He'd seen it so many times because he kept doing it for 15 minutes. And and he did obey. Uh, It was, you know, two steps forward and three steps back. But he did obey and he learned that. And he is a wonderful adult uh, with nine children now, of course, which I call payback. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, and, and, you know, his expertise of being ornery when he was young is to our benefit now in parenting because he remembers some of those things he did and he remembers some of the things that you, his mom, did to help him through it. So it's actually really great in some ways when when they grow up like that because, yeah, it gives you resources in your parenting later. And I remember one thing you always told me was to not get overwhelmed by the complexity of life and by the all the stacks and piles of things to do but pick one thing and work on it so how did you how would you suggest doing that well if I was having trouble with it with the discipline I would say to myself and I would pray for the child of course but I would also I would take that one thing and I would say give yourself a week to work on this one thing normally it would not take a whole week but I would concentrate on that one thing. And the reason I would give myself a week is because if you say, I'm going to give it a two days and it takes longer than that, then you get anxious and you get, actually you get cruel because it's taking too long. But if you give yourself a week, you are patient. It's, it just works that way. So if it's, um, they won't leave the TV alone, they won't leave knickknacks alone, they won't stay out of the cookie jar, whatever it is. If I concentrate on that one thing and I watch over that one thing, I have only one thing to think about. That it, it, it just works. I did that with many things from all ages. I think that's true because I think if you have a million things that you're trying to tackle and a million different 
projects and problems to work on, it becomes overwhelming for mom. And I think sometimes we we think to ourselves, and I've heard myself say it, we have been dealing with this for years and years and years. And I don't know that I can give proper attention to it when I have something that I work on for years and years. It just becomes background noise. You right. just don't even notice what some of these things, whereas if you focus on a certain behavior and work towards that for a shorter period of time, then you conquer it and then you move on to the next thing. And it seems like there's never any shortage of things to work on. Yes. The other thing I did was I always incorporated my husband and I would say, would you watch out for this one thing? I know you're not home all the time, but when you are home, watch out for this one thing. And oftentimes he would just walk over to me and say, they're doing, you know, and, and, and he would just point it out to me and then he would help or he would just mention it. And I know you told them this three times, but they're doing it again. And then because he wanted them to obey me as well as him. And he was always very supportive in whatever discipline thing I was doing because I asked him to. And I think a lot of times the stuff we struggle with in our home, they are family issues, family problems. And we, you do want to see each one of your children as individual and work on them in individual ways. But yet God did plant us in a family and we're all there to sharpen each other and to encourage each other and learn. I know God did not, you know, we look at them and say, God didn't put you in this family on accident. And I remember something else. Let's see. My husband always says this, and I think he may have learned it from you, is saying, um, like when one of the siblings is having trouble with another sibling, he's saying, you know what? Thank God for them. They're a gift because they are practice for your future as an adult. Someday you may have an employer or an employee or a neighbor with that exact same personality. So learn to work through it now because in the future you may meet that personality again. I think he learned that from you. Yes. And the other the other thing is that the person that God puts in your life is put there for a reason so that you can, well, iron sharpens iron. That is biblical. And so that person is there for a reason, even if they are a sibling or they're a sibling's husband, wife, or if they are a cousin or if they are an employer, employee, um, whoever they are. And so that's not an accident. Right. Okay. So we're again, we're going to have a hard time restraining ourselves here. And this could be like rapid fire round for ladies. Um, okay. So unscripted. <laughs> we're we're unscripted. We've thought about this, but we're trying to. We have so many things in our minds, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, our minds are full, and we're just trying to decide how to part it out to share with you ladies. So one thing we talked about was chores. How do you get little ones, and at what age do you get them to start doing chores? Well, they actually, when they're pretty young, they love doing chores. I remember Andrew, one of the things he liked to do is help me set the table. And I still remember him putting all the glasses in one place on the table. He could barely reach, but he loved to help. And I let him help, and he was very helpful. But he wouldn't put them around. He would just put them all in one place, and I would say, how many are there? And he was like, I don't know, three. And I would, and he would count them, and I would say, perfect. And then I would put them around. But I let him help. So you can start at a very young age. And, and the more you let them help, 
the more they will help later because they're part of a family. And I still remember him going over to a friend's house when he was a teenager and coming back and saying, I don't know why he's not happy. He doesn't do anything in the family. He doesn't take out the garbage. He doesn't. He named all these things. And I'm like, how do you know that? He said, well, he said, they spent the whole evening in the computer. And I said, you know, help playing his computer in the bedroom. And I said, well, what did you do? And he said, I helped his mom do dishes and set the table. And, and, <laughs> and he's a teenager. And I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting. So they learn to enjoy chores at a very young age. And they can do more than you think they can. They're very smart. You just have to watch them and encourage them and praise them at every little thing they do. And attitude is something we were talking about earlier is sometimes it's really hard to train your child to have a good attitude. It doesn't always come naturally, like when they're doing chores. Okay, you have to go and load the dishwasher, go do it. But they really have some other project they wanted to do. They they have something dividing their attention, obviously, or or they just don't want to do it. But how did you encourage? Well, every Saturday was chore day. And of course, you don't need to do chores all, all day. So they wanted to play. And I, so I would have, I have four children, so I can get two hours of work out of them if I just do it for 30 minutes. So I would line up the chores on four pieces of paper and I would line them up, which ones, and I altered them each week. But I would put times beside each one, five minutes, 10 minutes, seven minutes, whatever, and it would add up to 30 minutes. And I would lay them out and they would all be very disappointed because there's a whole 30 minutes and all this list of chores. But I would say to them, now there's 30 minutes of chores. You know what? I exaggerated the minutes. It won't take you that long. But if you do them 30 minutes with grumpy, 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 it'll probably take you 45 minutes. But if you do them happy, happy, happy with a smile on your face, I'll bet you do them really fast and you'll be done in 20 minutes and then you can play the rest of the day. And of course, I do it happily with a really happy look on my face. And I'd say, the happier you do them, the faster it'll be. But if you do them grumpy, 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 it's going to take you forever. So which would you choose? And most of the time, they would pick happy, happy, happy. And I see that even in my husband now. There's certain jobs he does. And I think, man, you have to slog through that. And that has got to be terrible. And he's like, no, I don't mind it at all. I just choose that I'm going to be happy about it. And I think to myself... Well, I didn't learn that, but maybe I should learn that too at my, my older age. But I, I can tell that he started that at a young age and it served him well into his adulthood. Yes. And I, I, even now, I was saying to one of my grandchildren, I was saying, you know, I was vacuuming, getting rid of the family the other day, and I, I kind of got down. And then I remembered in Hosea, it talks about the pots will say, Holy to the Lord on them. And I said, I need a paint on the front of my vacuum cleaner, holy to the Lord. And she said, I'm just, I'm going to check your vacuum cleaner. Let me know when that's painted there with flowers. <laughs> because Louise paints everything. There, there is a family saying that you better not stand still for too long, or you may also have flowers painted all over you. So that that's one of those family legends. So it's, it's, uh, it's the joyful part is should be part of life and it should be a part of raising children at all ages you should enjoy each age starting if you start young when they get to teenage and older you will always love them but it's an aim um and i i, I think if you pray for it you will get it 
If you expect obedience, you will get it at all ages. Um, what you expect, you will get. If you expect orneriness, you'll probably get that too. But then be surprised. Say, why were you ornery? I didn't expect you that, to do that. And your child will look at you like, oh, I did the unexpected. I shouldn't do that. They really will. I, it's very shocking, but it really will work. So I think one of the things a lot of young moms get busy with, even middle-aged moms, is being committed to a lot of events and a lot of commitments. I mean, if it's even good things, Bible study, um, parent-teacher clubs, baseball, basketball, ballet, Cub Scouts. There's so many things that we can get involved in, and these are good things for our kids, but it can be overwhelming. How did you guys handle that in your home? Well, in our home, my husband was uh, self-employed, so he worked a lot. So there were things that he couldn't always do. And so I, it was at my responsibility. And with four children, if they were all in sports and I was going four different directions, I really couldn't do that. So we sat down as a family and said, okay, what are you really interested in? What do you really want to do? And we voted. So we would say only so many people can do things. So we picked certain things and voted and said, who can do this and who can do that? And we talked as a family. Sometimes they could do it together. Uh, I remember a lot of times there were two or three that did baseball on the same team if the ages fit. And um, we did we all did piano lessons. So we but we could we could put those together, and um, we just we voted. Sometimes everybody didn't get to do what they wanted to do. Um, as they of course could got older and could drive, that changed. But even then, it was it was controlled. Uh, we just basically could not all do everything. And, you know, it worked out great because you could choose and then all go watch the games. So just not everybody can do everything. Okay, now tell me about this vote. So when you vote in the home, does everybody have an equal vote? And when, you know, we talked about this earlier, um, how, how does veto power work? I know it seems so much like... Um, I personally went into parenting with my oldest sometimes telling me what to do. And I stopped and I questioned my authority because, you know, by this five-year-old, because I had never really thought about authority. Did I really have authority and could I veto him or not? And I was dumbfounded as a five-year-old. I did really well as a babysitter beforehand because I think those parents when I came to babysit, they would tell the children, now Pam's going to babysit and you need to listen and you need to obey because I'm leaving. And they would because they were following the authority of their parent to obey the babysitter. Now, as a parent, it felt so awkward when I started out to go in and say, I am the parent. You must obey me. It sounded like like that, just that I, it wasn't my position. And it does take a while to understand that and to know that it's actually biblical, too. Yeah, it's um, children should always have an opinion. That doesn't mean that they get to tell you what to do. And having it's, an opinion is good. They're yeah, thinking they, and growing. Yes, if they if they learn to have an opinion and that you you are listening to them, it helps them make decisions later. If they never get to make a decision, they never they never learn to make a decision. So they should be able to have some kind of input. That doesn't mean that they are the final authority on something that is harmful. 
So, and I, I always tried to explain as much as I could. If there was something they wouldn't understand, I would tell them, you're not going to understand the answer, and I'm really sorry about that. Sometimes you can't understand the whole thing. But I tried to explain as much as I could why. Because that, if you always say, the, the thing I always hated was because I said so. <laughs> that is really cruel. It, there should be some kind of explanation if there can be. The because I said so is just, that's just totalitarian, and I just, I don't really like that. So, and, and we also did the um, rules are made to be broken. The explanation that I have is when the children were young and there was a bedtime, it was pretty concrete unless there was an hour program. It, it might be a special of some sort, like a musical or something like that. Back in the day, that we had a lot of those kinds of things. And before you could TiVo or yeah, video we record. Yeah, we and... couldn't record video record or anything like that. And and it might, Or it might be a special program we went to or something like that. And it would be into bedtime. And instead of saying, you know, bedtime can never be changed, we would say, well, you know, you could stay up for that like extra half hour. But... If in the morning you, you whine and fuss that I didn't get enough sleep or, you know, something like that, it will never happen again. And they knew that I, the other thing I always said was, I will always tell you the truth. I will not tell you lies. I will not make things up. So they always knew that if I said what I said, I tried to stick to unless I absolutely could not. And so if I said... It will never happen again. They knew I really meant it, but I would not ever let them stay up again. I We did it a number of times, and I never heard a peep. They got up in the morning and pretty much said, thank you, Mom. Thanks for letting us stay up. And they learned to be thankful. They learned to appreciate that I let them do things that were against the rules. Um, and... I rewarded them for being good if we went shopping and they were good and endured my fabric shopping trips. Um, I praised them for that. So oftentimes would stop for treats and things like that if they obeyed and were, and I took them everywhere. Uh, four kids, no matter what the age. And they were, they were, they were excellent. They were obedient because they knew how to act. Okay, right there. Tips for moms. Yep. So I'm, I'm taking in my little ones to the grocery store and they want everything or they wander off from the cart or they want to climb in and out of the cart. You've seen this and we see this even currently. You're probably not going to walk up to a woman in the store and just say, let me tell you how to do it. But mm -hmm. since we have ladies listening right now, what loving grandma advice would you give them? Well, I took them everywhere. So from very tiny, they, they understood how to act. And the one thing I did tell them is, if you really can't stand it, you have to touch something. Let me help you touch it. And that learned, they learned that at home. And they learned it at someone else's house. It, you know, you don't touch pretties. And I had pretties at home. And they were sturdy ones. So if somebody knocked something over, it probably wasn't going to break. But they weren't supposed to throw things at the house. And um, even now I have pretties in my home and none of my grandchildren have broken anything except by accident. I tell them I've broken more things by dusting than they have ever broken. We don't, we don't break anything by dusting because we don't dust. <laughs> but I do dust. Anyway, so, um, but in the stores, they stayed with the, with the cart. And um, if they really had to touch something, I would help them touch it and show them 
you know, what it was and then put it back because they would see me touch things. So it's not fair if they can't touch things. And I would always try to be as fair as possible. They learned not to touch things. Um, I guess I just watched them very closely and I tried to be as fair as possible. And if they wanted, we had cereal, sugar cereal once a month, one box. When it was gone, we didn't have another one until the first of the next month. So they knew not to ask because they knew they could have sugar cereal, but they had one box, one box once a month. I did lots of special, you know, breakfast things, but not sugar cereal. And that goes back to the expectation you were saying, you know, they're not going to push you and push you and push you for that sugared cereal at the store because you have already set out that expectation that we do get it and it is once a month. Yes. So there's no reason for them to go on about that. Yeah, there's no expectation. I I told them ahead of time, this is what's going to happen when we get there. Don't start asking for things because this is my list. And if you really want something, we'll talk about it, but you will not grab it and put it in the basket because that's an ex- that's that's actually no, you don't get it. I need to play back this podcast for some of my children because when we go shopping, they truly twist my arm too much. <laughs> and I know now, I realize I have been told this for decades by you and <laughs> I really should start applying it because, you know, when we moved here and we had to fill an empty pantry, I was highly influenced by the people that were with me. (laughs) So it's time to go back and learn a little lesson from Grandma Lou. (laughs) Well, I loved my children. I I love them so much. And I love my grandchildren. I love my great-grandchildren. And as far as I'm concerned, they're all just almost perfect. But, you know, I know they really aren't. And they're on their best behavior when I'm here. So on another podcast, we are going to be talking about teenagers and we're saving some thoughts for that. And I know we are kind of jumping around from thing to thing, but we're moms. That's what moms do, right? We jump around from item to item. And I hope that some of the moms are are grabbing some tidbits that they can apply and throw into their life. Is there any other thoughts you would like to share to to a young mom who's who's kind of at this stage, they've got their children in that elementary or even little ones. Are there any other encouragements you'd like to leave with them? I would say that when you discipline, it should be creative. And the one, the most creative person I know is the Holy Spirit. If you don't want to be harsh and you want to do something creative, ask the Holy Spirit to give you some wild idea. One of the things I did was the sitting, um, you know, sitting with the Bible on their lap and reading a scripture for 15 minutes, um, sitting on the counter and watching me cook with their hands folded and the buzzer was set. For a for a toddler, that is perfect. They they can't do anything. They're watching you. You can talk to them. You can you know you can sing a song. They can sing a song. They're out of trouble and you haven't hurt them. And they're not alone in the room where they can hate you. So that was that was my you know it was my thing. If you send them to the room in the corner, they can hate you. I don't I don't want them to hate me. I want them to love me, and I want to love them. I just don't want them to be in trouble. So you know something like that. But the Holy Spirit gave me those ideas. I didn't learn them from someone else. I learned them from Him, and that would be my suggestion: is pray and ask the Holy Spirit for wild ideas for creative discipline that is not harmful. And doesn't teach your child to dislike you, but to love you and to learn not to be naughty. I remember you saying that because you don't want your children sitting in their room, pouting and getting sour and getting angry with getting more angry. You want to, that doesn't solve anything. So you want to work through it. And 
it might have been you. Somebody told me in my early mothering, and I think this was probably you, to put two chairs, like in the kitchen, yes. when we have siblings, siblings um, having an altercation. Yeah, how did you do that? Well, I would, I would sit them in, the, you know, I would, most of the time I made them stand on the chairs, and they couldn't touch each other. They could look at each other, but they could not talk to each other, and they could only stand there. And usually within three or four minutes, they would be giggling. And they would have to stand there for a, time, a period of time, depending on how old they were. Sometimes five minutes, sometimes ten minutes, seven minutes, whatever. I would set the buzzer. And I would say, you cannot touch each other. You can only stand there. And uh, just stay there until you can get along, but I'm going to set the buzzer. And if, and if it, you're not getting along by the time you set, you know, by the time the buzzer goes off, well, then I will set it again. And then, like I say, they would be giggling because they could make faces. <laughs> and um, that I did that multiple times. They would sit or they would stand or whatever I decided. And, um, you know, five feet away from each other or whatever. And it worked, it worked marvelous. Normally, I would only have to do it once in a day. And they would not fight again because they would end up back on the chairs again. Yep. <laughs> and I've used that and it, it ends up being fun. It yes. does. It can turn an argument. And that's when I pull out every now and then. I'm like, oh, grab the chairs. Go get the chairs, guys. And then they're like, ah, oh, we're going to be stuck in the chairs. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. Grab a seat. Let's make this happen. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. And I also do that when it's just one. If yeah. one is having trouble over and over and over with me or just with being obedient, maybe continuing to burrow into whatever place they're not supposed to be investigating or whatever, then I sometimes just pull a chair into the middle of the kitchen and point it at the microwave or wherever we've got a countdown on and just have them watch that uh, timer and then if they get down if they leave get off the chair we just start that timer right back again and and finish our our time so but it does give them a very concrete uh, knowledge of what is expected of them and knowing that there is an end to it also because that unending consequences is really tough mm -hmm. so anyway well, you have given us fun ideas to jump from, and I'm kind of excited for what we talk about with the teenage years, and we'll just see how many how many podcasts we're going to record. You guys may get little um, interviews with Grandma Lou all throughout the year. So anyway, would you like to pray for the ladies in their, yes. in their mothering journey right now? Yes. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for children. They're such, they're such a joy to us all of our lives until we go to see you. And you you made the family. We love the family. We thank you so much for that. And now I pray for these women that are listening, that you will give them what they need to raise wonderful children. And that if there is anyone hurting, Lord, that you will give them peace, you will give them joy, and you will give them comfort. And if they need wisdom, Lord, we know that you give that generously, generously, Lord, and that you will give that and that they will know that has come from you because you are the one with boundless, boundless wisdom. Thank you so much for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at tendingfields.net. 
because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.